Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, Jesse Cass here for the Believe in Clippers podcast. I'm going to skip the intro music and just talk to you for a minute here at the opening of the show. It's been a little over a week since we've talked last and obviously a lot has been going on in the world and wanted to make it 100% clear where our priorities are. Obviously, the first thing I want to say is, is Black Lives Matter and we need to continue in this fight against systemic racism and police brutality. We're 100% in support of that here on the Believe in Clippers podcast and we're going to have some discussions about that in this episode. We have Alex Acker, who you heard from last week. He's actually joining as the official co-host for the show. So he's going to be with us full time. He's an awesome guy and he provides some really great insight into this issue as well. We also have Robert Sacre, former Los Angeles Lakers center. He's going to come on the show, give his perspective, and we'll wrap it up on both ends of both of those conversations with some basketball talk about the NBA returning. But as we said, I want to make it 100% clear, racism has no place in the world and, of course, in the United States. We need to root this out and try to find real accountability for police brutality that has led to so many senseless deaths of so many people from the African-American community. So as we said, 100% support Black Lives Matter. Uh, we need to tackle this issue with full force. So with all of that said, enjoy this week's show here on the Believe in Clippers podcast. All right, we're now joined by our official new co-host on the show, Alex Acker. You heard him here on the show last week. He's here full-time with us, and Alex, just really happy to have you here on the show and uh, excited to go through this thing with you and talk some Clippers basketball going forward. For sure. The process is about to start right now, and uh, uh, it's good to have somebody bounce off ideas for sure. And um, Jesse, you're a pro at this for sure, so I appreciate you having me and uh, being a part of this. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we've been talking leading up to this, and, you know, obviously basketball has been has been dormant for some time, and even with the announcement of it coming back, it still feels like it takes a backseat to everything going on in the in the real world right now, so we want to tackle that a little bit. Uh, here in the beginning of the show and uh, you know of course the you know the murder of George Floyd and leading to number of protests that we've seen not only in the United States but across the world and uh, of course the the expansion of the Black Lives Matter movement which is so important Uh, just from from your perspective I know you're in Italy right now Um, how has this been for you to see play out Uh, you know I know it's that the protests have been around the world but seeing this play out uh, you know in your home in the United States of, of really kind of expanding over the past two weeks um, it's been really touchful for sure um i got a bird eye view as far as looking you know looking inside um uh, through outside um and it's kind of like disturbing that sometimes because it's false um information that's given you know a lot of information that that people are trying to protest about um the movement is is bigger than what they're trying to nitpick out of you know and um the simple fact of Black Lives Matter is is, uh, is huge right now, and um, a lot of things are straying away from the real matter of, of, of the protest. And it's nothing as far as you know um, that I see of that matters. Is just walking together and coming together collectively, and and figuring out what we need to do as as human beings to get in this situation resolved. You know, I think it's been going on way too long. And um, all the way back to to my upbringing, you know, uh, from Compton, California, um, where I'm from, um, it's it's a never-ending story for sure. And it's not even just about the um, Caucasian cops. I had personal 
interactions with Afro-American cops that, you know, are pretty much portraying that image as well, you know, of trying to, you know, use the badge as something bigger than what it is. And it's just to preserve and protect. And um, they go above and beyond, you know, in the wrong direction. And um, I think, you know, I don't want to get too much into politics at all, but just the simple fact of how this whole 2020 is going along, you know, with the coronavirus and, you know, um, the deaths that is going on with people and um, all the way to this incident, you know, um, 2020 has been a real hit for a lot of people. I should definitely say for everybody. And if you're not feeling this wave of, of emotional distress, um, something's wrong with you personally if you don't look yourself in the mirror. You know, I don't, it's hard to say that, you know, this has not affected you somehow, some way, you know, um, just seeing this from everybody's perspective. And it hit us first all the way out here in Italy and it hit us hard. I'm talking about 900 people dying because of this coronavirus and stuff like that. And it was just so, you know, bizarre to even like witness and you're in the middle of this you know and then all of a sudden you you know you you hear back home that people are not taking it serious and it's coming that way you know of, of, of you know this disease is coming that way so and then all of a sudden now nobody's even talking about the coronavirus because it's something even more catastrophic as far as you know um the black lives matter movement which is which is huge right now and you know i think there's two things that definitely need to be addressed. Um, one has, hasn't even been addressed and we're tackling something totally different, you know, and I think that, um, it's going to be something where, where we have to come together as a people and really figure out, you know, what is best. Um, how do we go about this? What laws that need to be in place and who do we need to hold accountable for? And, um, it starts with individual of like looking yourself in the mirror, you know, um, the racist thing and prejudice, it's a disease. And I look at it like that, you know, it's not like something that's put in somebody. Well, I should say it definitely is something that's put in somebody because nobody actually sees color or, you know, a shade until it gets to a certain point of your life, you know, and, um, somehow this, 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 this has to stop for sure, you know, and, um, definitely look at each other in the mirror and see, what we need to do collectively as people for sure yeah i couldn't agree more and i think like you said and you're getting at perfectly there no one is is born initially with that prejudice or that racism it's something that's that's taught and then obviously passed down for through different generations and families and something that clearly is obviously a problem worldwide but we know of course in, in the united states it's something that has always been extremely prevalent and you know as you said something that needs to be addressed and for a lot of people to to kind of look within themselves and even if it's a small thing inside themselves you know obviously there's varying degrees of of racism and hatred but kind of a time for for self-reflection and and to listen and support uh knowing that you know if there's obviously a whole group of people that are saying telling you they're being mistreated and it's out there in plain daylight and on video over and over and over again that it's really a time to to listen and, and try to figure out how to make changes yeah, for sure. And that goes with the people that's in charge, for sure. You know, um, uh, the mayors and, you know, the, the chief of, of police and all these other people that hold these titles that actually actually can do something for sure to make these changes. And it goes all the way down to the, you know, the, the judges that are, you know, convicting these cops and letting them go, 
you know, free of charge with a slap on the wrist with a paycheck in hand and stuff. I think everything moves in this world with fear for sure, you know, and if there's no fear and these guys are getting away with it, um, they're not really sweating it at all. You know, like no matter what, if I kill somebody, I'm going home to go fishing and I get paid for it. That yeah. makes no sense. You know, it really doesn't. So um, I think it's a, it's a big thing where we have to really figure out um, what we need to do as far as, you know, the, the head honchos, the, the jury and the judges and stuff like that. We need that. We need to address that situation moving forward. And it trickles down. Yeah. There definitely needs to be a, a greater sense of accountability. Like you said, for police officers that commit these acts of brutality and just up on up the chain, like you were saying, of we know that there's obviously, like we saw in Georgia this week, still issues with kind of voter disenfranchisement and trying to kind of stop that momentum. But regardless, got to figure out ways to halt that and get the right people in leadership to try to help make these changes easier and make them stick longer so we can have, you know, a better society at whole. Better society, for sure, 100%. 100%, yep. And, and Alex, I know you mentioned, obviously, you know, growing up uh, in Southern California and Compton and having some of those run-ins and experiences, and uh, it's an unfortunate reality for, you know, pretty much at least every, you know, black friend and black person that I know has had some kind of run-in or experience or unpleasantry with, you know, being treated unfairly by the police. You know, I don't want to yeah. have you get too deep into it if you don't want to, but, no, um, no, but no, with no, some no. of those experiences that you've had that maybe some people can relate to. Uh, it's just experiences of, of, of this mis, misidentification, you know, misinterpreting yeah. what the real fact of it is. Like you, you, you're judging kids like, like they're like they're really animals and stuff. You know, kids don't even have that demeanor unless it's put into them. You know, I think that um, that's why my parents was like always carry a basketball no matter what. That's your passport, mm. and it was my escape goat because I ran into a lot of trouble. And thank God I had a basketball where it was like, oh, you're, you're, he's an athlete, let him go, you yeah. know. And um, it, it, it's really scary to actually have that, you know, um, as a kid, you know, trying to fear of your life of the street lights coming on. I got to run home or I got to take, go through bushes because certain ways you can't go at certain times, you know. And um, this is this is really uh, one of the incidents that I had was uh, with actually an Afro American cop. Um, I was just sitting in the car and uh, waiting for my mom to come because we were about to go wash clothes at a laundromat. And so I'm sitting in the driver's seat, listening to music, and he pulls up, goes right past me, and he stops. So he's just waiting for at least two, three minutes. Yeah. And I had the keys in the car, and he thought I was going to drive off. And, you know, I'm an adolescent. I'm like 15 years old in high school. So, of course, I just get out the car, turn the key off, and then I shut the door, and I just sit on the trunk. Pulls back up, and he's like, what are you doing? Whose car is this? All these random questions. And I'm like, man, I'm just waiting for my mom to go wash clothes, you know. And he's you're giving me tone. I can rest you right now. And that was something that was like, I didn't, I never even told my mom that, you know what I mean? And she came out the house like nothing ever happened. The cop drove off. And she asked me, you know, what's going on? And any, did he say anything? And I just, you know, casually said, no, nah, everything's fine. But it could have went vice. It could have went different. You know what I mean? It could have put me in handcuffs and I could have disappeared. My mom would have came out and never saw me. I've been in jail because of whatever reason that he thought I was doing, you know, what yeah. I wasn't doing at all. Those are small little details that we go through that just 
<laughs> you don't even have to do all that, you know. So I think that's the biggest thing. We have to really, as people, figure out how to um, how how to react when we're getting insulted and, and not think violently more than anything, you know. Uh, there's different ways of going about that. I really believe that for sure. Yeah, of course. And I think that, you know, having obviously a platform like this to speak to people and tell your experiences and, and also, you know, speak to people in general who might not have the right perspective on this to try to let them know that, hey, this is the way things are and these are the things that need to change and the accountability that we need. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that, that need changing and improving, but I think it starts with having these conversations. And like we've seen in the streets, the the protests that have been really continuing to go on and being... been awesome. Yes. Yeah, it's been amazing. Yeah, it's been awesome. All the way to the White House. And, um, you know, some people are outlandishly acting out of character, which is, you know, normal and stuff. But the, the incident and um, the rocks that are placed... Yeah. mysteriously on purpose and all those type of things leading up to the parade knowing that that one person picks up a rock that type of stuff happens and I have a, um, a cousin of mine who's an FBI agent and I asked him about that and I said why are the rocks that the police are picking up he said you guys are, are misinterpreting the, ro- the rocks are there because different cults and want people to pick up the rocks we are actually really picking up the rocks and taking them somewhere else we can't put the rocks in our car we have to wait for somebody to come pick the rocks up this uh government official or something like that but there are people in cults and groups that really want violence and it's definitely something sad for sure um that's going on yeah and we've seen you know reports of that uh in the news as well where like you said, some of these groups, a lot of them, you know, hate groups like white nationalist groups are kind of trying to plant that uh, and, you know, tarnish the movement. But we've seen the overwhelming majority of these protests, especially as they've continued to go on, be be really peaceful. And, and really the most of the people that have been acting inappropriately have been, like you said, either these outside agitators or unfortunately we've seen still in protests against police brutality police committing police brutality in these protests so, <laughs> yes, so it's just yes, yes. it's about it's that an ongoing story for sure and and and, and police I, I don't know what it is when they wake up with attitude or demeanor of i want to kill somebody or i'm not having a bad day or i didn't get my check on time who knows my wife divorced me but they got to channel that energy some other way instead of just outlandishly beating somebody to death or just going in their job, because it's a job at the end of the day, and you're really trying to hurt somebody, you know what I mean, instead of communicating and talking. And there are some crazy people, you know, in this world that's yeah. hard to talk to and, and relate to, and there's there's the, the protocols and stuff like that, which I don't know of, but there's protocols and stuff like that. That's the reason why you have backup, so it doesn't get to that point, you know what I mean? Yeah. And why do you have four cops that are trained taking down one person that you know what I mean that you can't obtain that doesn't make no sense to me at all for sure um, in that way yeah and I've also yeah <laughs> completely agree and you know it is a, a very difficult job for a cop but at the same time like you said you know the job is to protect and serve it's not to to kill or murder and that <laughs> that should be the, yes. the absolute last resort and especially when you're looking at these circumstances where 
killing people who are who are unarmed or not a threat at all. It's just you know something yeah. disgusting that obviously needs to change. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent true. Right, so oh, we're, man, we're gonna we talk about this. Yeah, go ahead. Now we're gonna take a, a quick break. We have we have Robert Sacre coming on. He's gonna talk a little bit about this and some of his thoughts on basketball as well. And we'll come back with our thoughts on the NBA season. So stay with us. While you're waiting this out at home, you can still have some fun betting with our partner, betonline.ag. No NBA, NHL, or MLB, but don't worry. BetOnline still has hundreds of games, events, and sports to wager on. NASCAR is back, Madden and NBA 2K simulations, UFC, online casino with poker and blackjack, and be sure to check out the final dance with roundtable interviews from ex-Chicago Bulls, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Craig Hodges, and Ron Harper as they discuss the Michael Jordan doc in full. And they're still fun to be had, so go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. All right, we're now joined here by our guest on the Believe in Clippers podcast. It's former Los Angeles Lakers center, Robert Sacre. Robert, thanks so much for, for coming on the show and taking the time. Oh, man, thank you very much for having me. I didn't think... A Laker would ever get on a Clipper show, but hey, I'll take it. <laughs> no, absolutely. I know that, uh, of course, there's that, I don't know if you can call it a rivalry, but disdain between those two teams and especially been picked up this year, this season, before the season was halted. But regardless, really happy that you could take the time to be here. Oh, thank you, man. I, it's good to be here. It's you know, it's good to talk to y'all and talk to somebody other than my <laughs> wife. It's good to talk to somebody other than my wife. So, uh, thank you for having me. And whatever you need, to shoot away, brother. Yeah, no, absolutely. And before we get into the basketball side of things, we know that, of course, you alluded to a little bit of it. There, we've been kind of locked down with with coronavirus as one part of it, and then, of course, uh, you know, the protests. Uh, protesting police police brutality and systemic racism have been going on for really the past week and a half now and of course very important stuff going on uh just wanted to kind of get your your take on everything and of course being a black man in america about just the protests that have been going on and what you've been seeing over the past week or so you know that death has really the death of floyd is just it is it's hit america really hard and uh it's kind of opened everyone's eyes to seeing what what really happens in America for African Americans all across this country, and um, I'm I'm proud to see people protesting and fighting for their rights and fighting for what they believe in, and I believe it's it's just a wild time. It doesn't, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to believe where we're at in this country and. I don't know, man. It's uh, I'm blessed. All I can say is I'm blessed. You know, and, uh, I'm very fortunate enough to be able to help my family out and help people out in this community. And that's all I can do and control what I can control is help people out and in need. So it's just a weird time, man. And uh, it's I'm glad the the world can see what blacks deal with on a day-to-day basis in this country and it's not normal you know it's not normal what we deal with but at the same time i'm glad well gets to see it finally yeah and it seems like you know as you said it's unfortunate that 
kind of have to fight the same fight that's been going on for, you know, 50, hundreds of years, really, uh, and still be protesting the same things. But it does seem like at least incrementally, it's allowing people, as you said, to see and listen. And we're already starting to see some of those structural laws that at least begin to change. So obviously the protesting is, is moving things in the right direction. And also, and this is, you know, I think if you want to get really in depth with it, I think we need to have conversations about race and not be so sensitive Yeah, on both sides, everybody including, you know, we need to, I think we've become so, it was such a PC society. Um, granted, there's horrific things that people say and do, but we need to be okay to talk about race and talk you know cultures and what people come from and all that not be so offended at the same time and um and and it'd be okay to talk about you know race at the same time and, and not feel comfortable and i think this is a kind of a stepping stone of where we need to go yeah absolutely and i'm curious because you obviously have the unique background of growing up initially in the United States, Louisiana, and then going to Canada and British Columbia. And we know that racism, of course, exists everywhere in the world. But on the terms of police brutality, did you notice or did you notice a difference between your life in Canada and the United States in terms of the police and how they treated people? Um, for sure. I, I think uh, the cops in Canada are a little bit more lenient in certain ways. Um, still, they'll, they'll still... They have that. I wouldn't say they have a racist mentality, but obviously they they will look at a person with color and maybe stop them before. But at the same time, uh, I'm blessed to say that I I grew up in Vancouver and um, got to see all different uh, all different types of ethnicities and uh, cultures and and it wasn't like I think that really opened my eyes to seeing what the world was like and realizing that everybody is the same. And I think um, there is a division in this country, in the United States, for the fact that people, we are, we don't, people don't realize that every, the only people that are really native of this country are the Native Americans. Yeah. Everyone else has all come from somewhere else in this world to come to America and I don't think I feel like people forget that at sometimes and America's just one big melting pot you know and uh, it's a blessing to be a part of that but at the same time we gotta understand that you know we're all we're all here together and we gotta make this thing work together right yeah no of course and obviously that's a that's a great perspective to have and you know that has been one thing that I think has been really inspiring through all this is seen in the protests where maybe opposed to a couple of years ago or protests in the past where it's been predominantly black people marching. We've seen obviously still black people marching, but other races and other people of different ethnicities joining and really lending their voice, which of course I think is, is really important in trying to bring real change. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think that's the key, right? Because if you got to realize we're all the same, man. Yeah all the same color inside is blood and a bunch of blood muscles and blood vessels and all that type of stuff you know organs and we all look the same within but on the outside some people might just have a little bit more tint to their skin that's it you know so i don't i i just yeah 
first of all, first and foremost, people need to not be so sensitive and insecure. And I think, you know, on both sides, um, you know, don't be so scared. And the fear mongering is ridiculous now with the, the news. So yeah. it's just a lot, man. And my whole thing is, you know, just try to make someone's, someone's day better. Even if that's just saying holding the door for somebody. Why don't, why can't you do that? Whether it's black, brown, white, black, purple, you know, woman, male, you know, trans, I, it doesn't matter. Like, just be nice to people. How hard is that? I don't see that's a problem, but I guess some people have issues with that. I don't know. Yeah, no, I under, feel the same way. And obviously certain people have a certain amount of hate in their heart or don't quite get that sentiment. But as you said, hopefully... Uh, the more and more this continues and the more and more we see change that we'll see that type of mentality kind of spread itself throughout the world. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to talk about that. We're going to switch gears a little bit. Yeah, let's go a little uplifting. Yeah, let's, we'll get into the basketball side of things. And, um, of course, the, the most exciting news on the basketball front is that the NBA season is returning. You know, that was really a question mark for a couple of months during this whole pandemic. And now we... Have the approval from the NBA. July 31st is the start date uh, in Disney World, in the bubble. Uh, just what are your thoughts on just the whole implementation of the 22 teams going to Orlando and, and how this thing is going to work? See, I never took this COVID thing serious until the NBA shut down. Yeah. And when I saw the NBA shut down and I saw all those billionaires, you know, stop their league, that's when I know that, knew this thing was whatever real yeah. i don't know what it is but i knew it was serious because i know those billionaires don't want to take pay cuts and i'm not <laughs> even talking about the players i'm talking about the owners yeah so, um it's good to see that there's going to be some sports back thank god because there's nothing else to watch on tv and um yeah man it's just what a what a wild time to be a basketball player I couldn't fathom what it would be like right now, you know, just having to play at this time. And this, there's so much uncertainty about everything that it's just a, it's just a weird time to play. But I'm glad it's back. I'm glad to see that there's a, a league. The league is coming uh, full circle, and they're going to do a little round-robin tournament, which I think is going to be really impressive. I just hope guys are in decent shape where it's good, good quality basketball. Yeah, and of course, I guess that's the one positive about decent shape. They have really this month and a half to kind of at least try to get themselves back into NBA basketball shape. But um, what do you think of just how it's going to be different? Of course, there's no crowd. It's going to be probably smaller gyms, closer to a kind of high school atmosphere in terms of just the gym size that they're playing in. Uh, And these guys adjusting to that, let alone with all the other circumstances, but the actual playing field uh, being a little bit different. Uh, it'll be more like a. I, I hope it, it doesn't seem that way, but it, it, I feel like it's going to seem like a scrimmage or something. Yeah. I don't know. It'll feel like the summer league in Orlando, right? Yeah. And I, I just hope just the quality of basketball is good to keep us entertained. And you know, who knows? I, I, I think the, it's all a testing trial, and everybody's kind of hoping the NBA makes this work, so every other league can kind. of base their model after them, right? Yeah, and it'll be interesting because I know that 
it's been thrown around in the NBA for a while of kind of starting their season later, and that's looking ahead to, to next season, but you know, kind of dominating the summer, not competing with football as much, uh, with this kind of forcing the hand of that. Do you think that going forward, we know next season is going to be pushed back until mid-December, uh, if this is going to be kind of what we see in terms of the scheduling from the NBA to December to you know August rather than the NBA Finals finishing in June. Right, no, it's, man, it's just weird. Everything has been pushed, and, yeah, I don't know what to make of it, man. Like, just a, I feel for those guys that are on vet minimums, you know, because I was on a vet, or on a minimum deal, and you don't, you, it, it's a different time, man, and, like, uh, everything is so uncertain. Everything is so uncertain, so it's just, uh yeah, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to make sense of all of this whole basketball. Leagues are going different times, and <laughs> wow, I don't know. I really don't know how how I feel about it all, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think I think we're all going to need to see just how it looks, and of course, as you mentioned, if you know guys are going to be able to stay healthy and, and you know avoid picking up the virus, and there's just so many variables to it to see. You know, if this thing can work and how that affects not all the NBA, but, you know, the other sports leagues out there, like you said, to see if they can, can kind of implement the same thing. Yes, absolutely. And we just got to take it day by day. And I think that's pretty much what it's been like for this COVID stuff. So um, that being said, we just we'll see where we go from here, man. Yeah. And, and on the actual basketball front, we know that really all year it's been most people have agreed it's likely, was likely, is likely going to be a collision course between the Clippers and the Lakers, as at least in the Western Conference, as two of the best teams in the league. We know they've had some really competitive games earlier this season. Uh, what have you seen in that matchup in particular between those two teams? And you know, of course, you're a former Laker, uh, but just in watching those two this year, who do you give the edge to in the going forward and potentially getting through the Western Conference? The thing that I like about the Clippers this year, and I I give them just a slight edge, is they have more depth and they have um, a little bit more, um, I guess, uh, experience throughout the whole playoff. Yeah. You know, the whole playoff deal. Um, you can look at Lou Will, who's been in mo- playoffs his whole career. Um, you know, you got Kawhi, you got Paul George, um, Harold, you know. Yeah. It's, it's just, I think for them, they just are a deeper team, you know, deeper bench. Every They have more scores all around. Whereas the Clippers or the Lakers, I think they're, they're very top-heavy in my eyes. I think um, – with LeBron and AD has only been in two playoffs his whole career. People don't talk about that. Uh, so that being said, I it's hard to. I just I, I hope they don't burn out of gas in the playoffs. That's all I'm saying. But I, it's not a long season anymore. They've had a month and a half off, two months off. How many? How many months? Three months off. Yeah. So. People shouldn't be burnt out anymore. It's, everybody should go into camp fresh and ready to go. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Yeah, that'll be interesting for, for both of those teams because, of course, you mentioned kind of the, the top-heavy na- nature of the Lakers and then the Clippers, of course, who 
have been dealing with injuries and load management and, and all of that stuff all year. They really have only had about 10, 11 fully healthy games with their whole team. And now you have, of course, this long layoff where not only the Clippers, but really every team that had injury issues can theoretically just get back to full strength and, and play with, you know, all their cards out. Right. And so th- now I feel like that being said, it's anybody's advantage, you know, yeah. and you're not, you're not wasting um, your legs on just games at the end of the season just to get through. They're playing actual legit games now with every game matters. And so it's going to be, it's going to be a good, I think it's going to have that same vibe as, this tournament's going to start on with the same vibe as like the beginning of the season where everyone's pushing to get those those wins and it's going to be really competitive and I'm super excited to see what it's going to be like. Yeah, I know. I said it's been a, it's been a long time without sports, so and without basketball, it especially. Sucks. <laughs> it sucks so much. There's nothing to watch, man. No, not all. I know a week or two ago, the ESPN had uh, cornhole on the TV, and that was the closest yeah, thing to sports I've seen in a while. That's where we're at in our lives. That's where <laughs> we've gotten to. Yeah. And, and Rob, in your, uh, in your NBA career, of course, we mentioned you played with the Lakers. Uh, just what was your NBA time like uh, when you played? You mentioned you were on the vet minimum, but I know there are a lot of opportunities where you got to, to get in the lineup and play. Uh, what, was, what was your time like in the NBA? Um, you know what? I was blessed, man. I got to play with Hall of Famers uh, from my first year all the way to my fourth year. And I got to learn a lot about basketball, a lot about myself uh, throughout those years. And uh, I'm truly blessed, man. Um, I just to have that experience and got to play with the highest level of basketball players. I can't, I can't ask for anything better, man. And uh, I got to see the world with the NBA and. Who knows? You know, uh, who knows where? I I, I just never thought it was. You know, I thought it was going to happen, and it did. And it's crazy. It's just a crazy experience to think, look back, and say I was part of Lakers. Yeah, and and I know you were part of one of the the weirder games in NBA history. Your Laker team was playing pretty much with eight players on the road. You, you're one of the few players who ever fouled out and were able to stay in a game because you guys just didn't have any more players left. What do you remember from, from that experience in that game? We were up 20. We were up 20 in that game. <laughs> um, then all of a sudden, I think we started out with seven players. Farma was on a, a time, uh, time, he was on time, whatever it's called. And um, that being said, after he got his time done with, we only had six, and I think it was Cayman coming off the bench. And I just remember them just rotating four and four and four and, <laughs> and then like it was just like, holy cow! <laughs> Come to find out, they tied the game back up, and then all of a sudden we're going into overtime, and that's when I pick up my sixth foul. And oh boy <laughs> I, here we go so it was a good time man I set records man good records and bad records in the NBA but I was part of some records <laughs> yeah that's right your, your name's in the book regardless right exactly <laughs> and you mentioned you, you played with some Hall of Fame players and of course most notably for the Lakers Kobe Bryant you were on the team for you know a number of years when he was there including his last game when he had the 60 point game but just what, what do you remember from your time with, with Kobe Bryant, uh, who, of course, before his very 
untimely and unfortunate passing, but just having that time to, to share with him as a teammate through the years. Oh, man, we had a lot of stories together, but I really learned a lot of how to be a competitor, how to be a, a winner, how to like um, just push yourself. And when it's uncomfortable, that's when you really need to really embrace the being uncomfortable. And um, you learn a lot more through those hard moments than when it's nice and fluffy. And I think he taught me a lot of that. Uh, having discipline and, and um, a certain love for the game where you, you enjoy working to get better. Yeah, and we know that there's so many so many Kobe stories about his work ethic and his intensity. Does anything come to mind for you when you think back to your, your time together as teammates? Oh, man, uh, there's so many. Uh, I'll give you one where, like, his competitiveness – uh, I'm sitting on the bench and we're talking and I'm like, I, get, I love giving him hell. Like, <laughs> Yo, Cole, man. Yeah, I think he was just came up to third all-time scoring. I was like, Cole, man. Carl Malone was ahead of you. And he was like, well, at least he didn't, he, well, he didn't win any championships, so what does that matter? And I was thinking <laughs> to myself, like, you know what? You're always gonna find you're gonna always find the edge to win no matter what. So <laughs> that's just the type of person he is. And yeah, man, I'm I'm blessed to say I was a part of being a teammate with him. Yeah, no, that's a great story, and obviously shows what we all know about Kobe, just the the ultimate competitor. Uh, you know, during his time as a player, and can only imagine, yeah, the the things you'd see not only in games but in practice, just being with with someone like that. Oh yeah, that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And Rob, before before we let we let you go, uh, we know that here on the Believe Podcast Network, you have a show as well, um, the Sack and Jack Show, talking about Gonzaga basketball. Uh, for those that haven't tuned in, um, tell us a little bit about the show you've got going on on the platform as well. Man, if we can get to talking about basketball, it's a great show, but we <laughs> end up talking about God knows what. Uh, but we have a fun time, man. Jack's a great co-host, man. And, uh, I, I loved him being a part of Believe, and we just we end up just clowning. If you want to talk, just listen to a, a show where we're supposed to be talking about sports, but we never end up talking about sports, listen to our show. <laughs> I mean, that's a great sales pitch right there. I'm sure, you know, during these times, you got to do what you can to keep things entertaining, right? There's there's no oh, sports, man, so. Buddy. <laughs> buddy you should hear the conversations we have we ended up talking about brownies today weed brownies i don't know how but god help us <laughs> well like you said whatever you guys you're as close to the sports as we got right now until the nba comes back so uh, any of that content is is much appreciated well i appreciate that brother well you have an amazing day and thank you for having me on the show all right we thank our guest robert sacre for Coming in and joining us on the show, back here with our, our co-host Alex Acker. And Alex, uh, we were talking at the end of that conversation with, with Robert about not only his NBA career, but of course the, the restart of the NBA season. Uh, Let's go. <laughs> and it, it's official. It, it, there's still some details to be ironed out, but the bubble idea in Disney World in Orlando is what it's going to be. Yes. We've got uh, 22 teams officially going to be coming to Orlando, the 16 current playoff teams. And... The other six teams that are within reach, within five games of the playoffs, will have eight regular season games and then 
a potential play-in for the final spot if it's close enough, and then, of course, the regular playoffs as if they would be normal uh, seven-game series throughout to get to what we hope will be a, a successful end of this season, but we're finally going to have sure. basketball and sports back. For sure. That's awesome. That is awesome. I'm excited about it. I think uh, basketball is definitely very well missed. Uh, So um, it's pretty awesome to have this. It's going to be a tongue twister to figure out everything and all the loopholes about it uh, because it's completely brand new. But I'm excited. I know the players are excited. And uh, moving forward, it's going to be great. Yeah, and on the the Clippers side of it, we know that They've been a team that's been very well connected. They've been talking about they've done Zooms through this whole thing. They have their slogan of win the weight, Doc Rivers came up with. And, you know, Steve Ballmer sent everyone workout material. They've been doing their best to stay in shape through this whole thing. But uh, we know that they're obviously one of the the top teams as a title contender. Uh, Sure. What do you think? Obviously, it's going to be a unique scenario. But has anything changed in terms of your thoughts on them being – you know, one of the top two, three teams in trying to win this thing? Oh, man, they came out with a demeanor of, of actually proving themselves from the from the jump, you know, and I don't think that has changed. Um, I'm watching Pat Beverly and, and pick up runs right now out in L.A., and he looks fantastic, knocking down shots. So it just goes accountable of, of, of what they've been doing for these last two months, you know, collectively. I know they couldn't practice with, with their team and stuff like that, but – these guys are holding everybody accountable. Like you said, the coaches are doing an unbelievable job keeping in contact with players. And uh, you're in the best city in, in the world, pretty much, in L.A. So you can get to a beach and run and do everything you need to do for sure. Um, the Clippers are an unbelievable team. I'm looking forward to hearing and seeing what they can do. Yeah, and it'll be really interesting to see. You know, of course, every team has had, you know, these couple of months off, and now everyone kind of has – you know, the month and a half or so, a little bit longer to prepare for the season, which is obviously necessary after this long layoff that, you know, the first games won't start till July 30th or 31st. So they have kind of this ramp-up time as well. And with a team with the Clippers, really their only strong issue this year against them has been injuries. And they've obviously had a lot of time to to get healthy, which you think would play in their favor going forward. Yeah, 100% true, yeah. Um, the injuries are definitely um, a setback for uh, a lot of guys, for sure. Um, the key players they had, Lou Williams, had a little injury. Um, I think it was his leg or something like that. Um, health, hopefully everybody's back healthy. and it, They'll be a monstrous team once they're healthy. I think they have the strongest bench there is in the NBA, for sure. Yeah, I think that's kind of the greatest separator right now between them and and, of course, their biggest competition in the West is, is the Lakers. And, you know, it's going to be mm-hmm. tough to stop LeBron and AD no matter what. But you look at kind of the overall, I guess, strength or advantage for the Clippers, like you said, has been their depth with, you know, when you take away the top two players and each team has two superstars, you look at the supporting cast and the Clippers. Yes. You know, obviously even adding Marcus Morris, another guy who was scoring nearly 20 points a game earlier in the year, just a lot of firepower <laughs> on that team. They got a lot of firepower. And the cold thing about it, which I love, is that they're veterans. They, You know what I mean? Nothing's going to shake them at all. And um, they know their roles. You know, they've been waiting for this, this, this chance to prove themselves. They've been building this team this long. You know, they kept their key pieces, which is the coach, Doc Rivers. And they believed in him in this system. You know, I think he was cheering and rooting for, you know, the, the, the squad that he has now. He got Kawhi Leonard, like, you know, it's a go-to child, you know. Um, so who knows what is capable of, 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 you know, 
going on. And as far as for me, you know, I think it's a whole nother animal once you tap into the playoffs. You know, a, a different side of, of of a switch gets turned on. You know, and these guys have been to that that level of turning on that switch. And Kawhi Leonard is definitely the most finishing guy there is in basketball in the playoffs. So if they have that key piece, and he does both ends of the court, offense and defense at a high level, and uh, it's going to be something to see for sure that he can actually guard, defend their best player and have the same energy to do what he does best on the court, and that's, you know, dominate um, an offense end. Yeah, and if, there, if there's one player you can think of who, no matter what the scenario is, likely wouldn't be affected harshly either way, it's probably Kawhi, right? He doesn't care if it's the loudest <laughs> gym in the world or if it's the quietest, he's just going to go and do his thing. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing stopping him but that laugh, man. I just, that's it. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll uh, yeah we'll we'll hear that laugh in a maybe in a championship celebration later. In, yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> in September, you got to play that laugh at the end of this for sure. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll bring that we'll bring that back in, loop that back in to to finish this one off. But um, we know there's as I said, there's so much to talk about going forward. We obviously have had a lot of you know heavy stuff on this episode going forward. We're gonna you know continue to cover that best that we can along with getting into NBA basketball as we go forward. Uh, and, you know, next week we'll have a lot to talk about on the updates on how this NBA restart is going to go. Uh, but right now we're going to cap this thing off. Alex, thanks so much for being a part of this. As I said, we've been really fortunate to have you come on as a co-host and especially the, the player's perspective and someone who's been a part of it. Uh, I know it's going to really bring uh, enhance the show that much more. Definitely, definitely, Jess. Big time. Yo, it's the GOAT, man. I appreciate you having me, man. <laughs> All right, well, let's not wait any longer. We'll get to that Kawhi laugh, and we'll talk to you guys again next week. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> See you later, guys. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube